Uh, so yeah, good afternoon everyone. Um, my name is John, I'm one of the leadership team here at Hope. Um, I am still somewhat full of cold, so uh, you will get a sort of slightly nasally preach from me today. Hopefully it'll be all right though. Um, so we were up until Christmas time doing talks on sort of unknown or unsung heroes. Well, it ended up being that. It wasn't meant to be that originally, but that's what it ended up being. <coughs> and so you know, now it's Christmas time. I've been pegged to do sort of like a, a Christmas talk. And I was like, oh, I was quite enjoying this sort of unsung heroes aspect of it that we were doing. And the problem with Christmas is that most of the characters in the Christmas story are really well known. Um, I was like, you know, Mary, Joseph, you may have heard of them, um, shepherds, uh, and so what. So I was like, okay, and, and in particular, the shepherds and Joseph, we'd done, I think, last year in our talks then. I was like, I don't want to do those again. What shall I do? And then I finally settled on the Magi or the, the wise men and thought, okay, I can maybe do something with that only for Heather to tell me that Ryan's doing them when he preaches next. So like, okay, back to the drawing board. Um, but while I was preparing for the talk on the Magi, I didn't have much preparation in all honesty, um, I came across something and thought, oh, that's interesting, bit weird, but maybe I'll include that. It was a bit of a tangent. So what I've decided to do is take that tangent and make that tangent today's talk. <laughs> and it's a bit bizarre, it's a bit bonkers, and it's a bit out there, but today we're gonna look at Revelation 12! Well, didn't see that coming, did you? Uh, the Christmas story, so this is like we've done Unsung Heroes, this is like the unsung Christmas story. It's a bit random, and Revelation is kind of weird. It's, it's sort of bizarre. Um, you know when you get a map and you say, and it's sometimes like with the unknown scary places, it used to say, here be dragons? In, in Revelation, that's figuratively true. And it's sometimes weird and confusing and people have very differing opinions about bits of it and sometimes those opinions are very very strong uh, so just as a I may get stuff wrong apologies if I do I'm going to give it a good go uh, but the context for this is John's on Patmos having uh, what I can only describe as like the IMAX 3D uh, prophetic vision of his time it was a bit mental and uh, Sam is going to be, be, I forgot to bring the thing to hold the clicker, so Sam is my clicker today. Thank you, Sam. Um, so, good luck. <coughs> but we're going to start just by reading uh, what we're looking at, which is Revelation 12, verses 1 to 6, which says, A great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of twelve stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on its head. Again, completely normal. Uh, its towel swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that it might devour her child the moment he was born. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. And her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. The woman fled into the wilderness to a place prepared for her by God, where she might be taken care of for 1,260 days. Uh, so I'm actually going to pray before I begin, because I feel like that's a good idea with a passage like this. Uh, so Father, I just pray that you'll help me uh, coherently uh, put across what I hope you've given me and isn't complete bonkers madness inspired by my illness. Um, may we uh, yeah, just speak to us through this passage and may it be good and not heresy. <laughs> Amen. Um, <coughs> So it starts off with, a great sign appeared in heaven. And what I find interesting about this, what I thought about this, which is something we never really talk about, is actually uh, there are sort of three heavens. 
bit weird. We never talk about this. If you look through the Bible, it comes up every now and then. So you have, when they say heaven, sometimes it can mean different things. So you had heavens, which was like the birds of heaven, which was the sky. You had uh, the heavens where the stars and the moon and the planets are, like space. And then you had uh, the highest of high heavens, beyond the heavens, like, you know, where God's presence is and his throne is and all that kind of stuff. And so it's a bit weird, really. I, this reminds me of um, uh, Lee Mack used to have this whole thing where he'd go, are you going out? Or you're going out, out. It's a bit like that with heaven. It's like you're talking about heaven, or you're talking about heaven, heaven. <laughs> you know, it's this idea of the, like these sort of levels as such. Uh, but it's kind of confusing as well because they're kind of interconnected. So if you look up at the sky during the day, you'll see the first one. But if you look up at the sky during the night, you'll be looking at the second one. And also, when Jesus was baptized and the heavens, i.e., the sky was torn open and other higher heaven was revealed. He was, you know, that was from above. Uh, Stephen, when he was stoned to death, looked up to heaven. And then it's, so it's all sort of weirdly interconnected, uh, which doesn't really help. But in terms of this sort of passage, uh, it's talking about um, the sun and the moon and the stars and that kind of stuff. So I'm assuming that the sort of heavens that it's referring to is sort of like the space heavens rather than the heavens heavens. Does that make sense? So everyone was still with me, cool. It only gets weirder from here, it's great. Um, so yeah, I, I, I was saying if Ryan was here as well, he'd probably refer to it as middle heaven, I think, as opposed to middle earth, because he, you know, he'd, he'd enjoy that. Anyway, so it says a sign appeared in heaven. And this is interesting because uh, throughout the rest of Revelation, John often says, then I looked and I saw, or, and then I sort of beheld or behold, but this is a great sign appeared in heaven. And the things that I read on this made it sound like it wasn't just something that John saw. It was something that would actually be visible to everyone. It was something very, it was less airy-fairy and more tangible to a certain extent. Uh, so what was this sign? It was a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of 12 stars on her head. So if the heaven that's being talked about is space, and if it's something that's visible to others, it's sort of understandable why leading up to September 2017, people lost their minds because this happened. There was a constellation of Virgo, a woman, who had the moon at her feet and was sort of dressed with the sun and everyone completely lost their minds and you know, got that out there. End times, bits of cardboard with the end is nigh running around losing their minds and screaming and shouting. And nothing happened. Because um, this is quite often the thing that happens with end time stuff in Revelation is people go get really obsessed and go, this thing means this thing. And they get really sort of into it and they go, oh, whoopsie. <laughs> and turn out to be wrong. But it makes sense that 2017 made absolutely no sense with this. And we'll see why now. Because the rest of the passage describes the child that the woman gives birth to who was in danger at birth, would rule the nations with a rod of iron, like what's mentioned in Psalm 2, and like what shepherds use, and who was snatched up to God and his throne. Does this sound like anyone we know? Sound familiar at all? Any sort of inklings? It's blatantly Jesus, isn't it? It's got to be. You know, Jesus who, at the time of his birth, Herod was trying to kill all the children uh, in a blanket attempt to wipe out the king that was being born. 
Jesus, who does now rule the world, the nations, heaven and everything, uh, who is the good shepherd and who ascended to heaven and sits at the right hand of God at the throne. So, <coughs> Jesus, 2,000 years ago that happened, didn't it? It wasn't 2017. <laughs> so there's no way that was ever going to be right. So, um, yeah, Jesus. Uh, have we got the next? So yeah, so it says, she gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter, and her child was snatched up to God's throne. What's interesting here is that, um, looking at this, going, yeah, that's Jesus, it's birth, ascension. They have skipped out, like, most of the New Testament. <laughs> so like, oh, well, you know, the, the meat of uh, Jesus' ministry, his life, death, and resurrection, that's very much uh, uh, Jesus came to earth and then came back. And I think the reason for that in this is because this chapter in Revelation is sort of like a heavenly perspective on things. And it's sort of like, oh, that's when Jesus went down. And then he came back. Um, and, you know, from a heavenly perspective, that sort of was maybe weirdly quick. I don't know. Time, wibbly, wobbly, heaven stuff. Um, but, yeah, that's just sort of interesting. So if the son that's born is Jesus, that would make the virgin woman who gives birth to him Mary, right? How dare you! <laughs> That is exactly, that's what reading every commentary I felt like was shouting at me for thinking. Because <laughs> all of them are like, uh, how dare you? So I brought up a couple of the, the commentary things that people have said. So here's one. It says, some suggest that the woman in the story is Mary, the mother of Jesus. That is far too hasty. That's not how this kind of symbolism works. <laughs> I was like, all right. <laughs> and then I found another one that was like, the figure of the woman is unlikely to refer to a particular individual, such as Mary, in much of the Catholic interpretation. The subsequent details of the narrative rule out this possibility, which is like the commentator was saying, read on, dum-dum. Like, the rest of the chapter will make you realise that that's not the case. So, you know, that was fun. <laughs> Like, oh, okay, sorry. Um, so who or what then is this woman? Uh, so you get old commentaries. There's, uh, if you like Google stuff online, there's a load of commentaries that come up for free, which are always the ones from like hundreds of years ago. There's like Barnes and Henry and, uh, and Matthew and <coughs> some other ones. And they, a lot of these say that the woman in, in this uh, part of scripture is the church and the 12 stars making up her crown are the 12 disciples. But if the woman is the church and Jesus is the child, that doesn't make any sense, surely, because Jesus gave birth to the church. The church didn't give birth to Jesus. So that, for me, doesn't make any sort of sense. So to make sense of this, we're going to start by looking at the dragon. And I was aware, I'm glad Heather's here, because every time I say dragon, she's going to be going, dragon, dragon, dragon. Because there was a game that I played when I was in my teens. Um, uh, it was like a Discworld game, and it was really fun. But at the start of the game, there's these people chanting, dragon, dragon. And uh, Heather has this coffee that's dragon coffee. So every time I get the coffee out of the cupboard, I chant, dragon, dragon, dragon. Because I'm a dork, but it's brilliant. Because Heather started chanting it and had no idea what it was from. <laughs> so she's like, I was like, what's it from? I said, Discworld thing. I was like, oh, great. Anyway, uh, back to the point. Um, so there's this enormous red dragon. And John clarifies us for us later that this dragon is Satan, which is lovely. He just bang out and says, it's, it's the devil, it's Satan, which is lovely. Interestingly, uh, an enormous red dragon, uh, you know, signifies the devil, makes you somewhat question the choices that Wells may have made when it chose its flag. 
Only one head. Okay, totally fine then. <laughs> but the, interestingly, the word uh, that gets translated as dragon could also mean huge serpent. And serpent, does that make anyone think of anything? Hmm? Snake in the garden. Ten points. Um, so yeah, uh, it, you know, Satan in the Garden of Eden was this serpent in the garden that misled Eve and tricked uh, Eve into taking the fruit and that kind of stuff. Uh, and when uh, they're kicked out, God says, I will put, and I can't say this word, an enmity. Thanks. <laughs> between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. So there was this promise from God right at the beginning in the Garden of Eden that Jesus was going to come and basically uh, smash Satan's head in, which is, you know, pretty, pretty cheery, pretty brutal. Merry Christmas. Um, but yeah, so there was this promise. And so there's a possibility that this woman was representative of like that promise and of Eve and the daughters of Eve and sort of the fulfillment of that promise that this son of God would come and would be born and would be the one to come and crush the head of Satan and duff him up. Um, doesn't say duff him up in the Bible, just in case you're wondering. Um, but anyway, so that's one view. And I quite like that. That's quite uh, poetic. It's quite nice. Uh, the most commonly accepted view, however, is that the woman represents Israel. Uh, because of this. <coughs> I had another dream, said Joseph, and this time the sun and moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. So that sounds pretty similar and familiar, doesn't it? So uh, Joseph and his wonderful coat um, had this vision of his family and their standing. And it was his family and you know, his brothers who became sort of the foundation of Israel. The 12 brothers became like the 12 tribes and that kind of stuff. And so the 12 stars that with crown of the woman's head in that um, scripture in Revelation could represent the 12 tribes of Israel and the woman represents sort of the his history and the promises of Israel being fulfilled, which is great. Uh, but then there is that weird bit about uh, she was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth, which if it was about Mary, uh, that would be like a knockout blow for Silent Night, uh, which would uh, be quite amusing. But if it's Israel, what's that all about? That's a bit weird, isn't it? But again, there's a bit that says, as a pregnant woman about to give birth rises and cries out in her pain, so were we in your presence, Lord. So actually, uh, the Israelite people have already had this sort of imagery sort of used for them. They're like, oh, actually, yeah, that, that's, that's us. We, we get that because Isaiah said it and they were mad keen on Isaiah. So not completely bonkers. So yeah, they've got this idea of like Mary, um, which every commentary I've read on pretty much wrote off and shouted at me for. Uh, the church, which to me makes zero sense, uh, although kind of me after stuff later on in the passage kind of does. Um, then you've got I Israel, um, which all the modern commentaries say is probably the case. And, you know, those are pretty good arguments, the Joseph thing and uh, the passage from Isaiah. And then you've got uh, Eve, sort of that kind of thing. So, <coughs> excuse me. The great thing about all of these is even if you think it's one of those and you're wrong, and that's not what John meant at all, they are all still, uh, not yet, they're all still 100% true. Jesus was born to Mary. Jesus was the promised Messiah of Israel. He was the suffering servant, the eternal King, Emmanuel, God with us, who had been promised 
throughout all the stuff that happened in the Old Testament. He was the one who, was, who had come to crush the head of the snake and dust Satan up. So, uh, yeah, it's cool. And interestingly, if you want to read something really cool, actually, I'm only going to look at the first six verses of Revelation 12, but the rest of it is very much like, pew, 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 take that, Satan. It's really, it's like this, it's proper like battle, or maybe not pew, 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 because you know, I always think, so the angel that was uh, guarding the Garden of Eden with a flaming sword, I, I suspect that went, so maybe it was more like, take that, Satan. Uh, and, you know, angels having it out with massive lightsabers. Maybe. <laughs> but, you know, it, either way, uh, the rest of chapter 12 is proper epic. Uh, but, yeah, Jesus was, you know, the fulfillment of all of this stuff. Even Mary herself was the fulfillment of promises that uh, Jesus would be born to a virgin woman. And Psalms, well, we, when we go through that on a Wednesday always blows my mind. Uh, many of you know that when I, we do it, I have like my, my colored pencils and I'll highlight things that I really like. I'll be like, oh, that's really lovely green or that's really weird red. Probably lots of revelation would be red. Um, but if there's something that points to Jesus, I always draw like a little cross next to it. And so often in Psalms, I end up drawing a little cross next to it because so much of it points to Jesus and that's just really cool. But at least we've written on all that literal stars and uh, Virgo stuff, because that was all weird, like, nonsense stuff, right? Well, <laughs> so, maybe not. Um, so there was this guy called Dr. Michael S. Heiser, um, and I stumbled across one of his YouTube videos, which already should make you nervous, go, oh, John just found some random dude on YouTube talking about a thing. Yeah, feel nervous about that. Um, but he seemed, I did actually check him out, and he seems pretty solid. He's worked with like, uh, the Bible Project and some people that I actually trust and seem okay. Uh, but he said that uh, the stars and the sky and that kind of stuff, if nothing else, is a really great indication of time. And that if you look up like, at the sky at a particular time on a particular day, that's sort of like a snapshot of time, and you can tell from the stars what time it was and that kind of stuff. And, you know, that's really interesting. And what he said was that on the 13th of September, no, not the 13th, on the 11th of September, 3 BC, the moon was at Virgo's feet and the sun was in the constellation of Virgo. So similar to what people saw on uh, the September in 2017. Uh, but I was slightly dubious, so I ended up actually uh, downloading some software and checking it out. So there's some, you can do this as well. It's, really, it's a really fun bit of software. It's called Stellarium uh, and you can download it and you can basically go, uh, if I was stood here on this time, uh, this, in this year, looking in this direction, what would I see? It's really great. Uh, so I was like, okay, uh, 11th of September, 3 BC, uh, Jerusalem, look at the sky, what do I see? And I saw that. Yeah, so you know, there's the sun and Venus with the moon at the feet. And I was like, oh, okay, this might actually be something that might actually hold some weight. Um, the guy also pointed out something very interesting was that here you've got Jupiter and Regulus. So Jupiter being a planet and Regulus being a star, uh, they were apparently at the time good indicator or indicators of like kingly nature or, or rulership. And there was these two uh, indicators of rulership that I think only at this point had like overlapped. So would have been like this weird looking thing in the sky and in the constellation of Leo, which is a, anyone? Lion, lion of, lion of, uh, king, lion, Judah. Judah, maybe something, no, yeah. So I was like, oh, 
Okay, um, so you know, all of this could be complete coincidence, but it could also be that some guys in the Far East saw that and went, well, that's a bit weird. Maybe we should check that out. You know, who knows? I can't be sure of anything, to be honest. But what I can say is that it's easy to look at what happened on September 2017 and go, oh, that was weird and wrong. So all of that stuff is weird and wrong. Whereas, and you can, I find I do that with a lot of things. I'll completely write off like an entire thing based on some bunch of weirdos doing something strange. But actually, God is the God who created the heavens, created the stars in the sky, flung everything into space. And it says actually the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. So why not? You know, why maybe, maybe not specifically this at this time, at this day, but maybe, you know, there was something where God had done something with the stars in the sky to say, hey, this is what's happening down here. It's really awesome. I'm happy with this. And if it was literally this or something very similar, that's really cool as well, because it means that God must have set everything off in motion at the very beginning of time to be in exactly the right place at that time to make that reflect what was going on at Earth, which makes my brain just melt. <coughs> but uh, there was a problem with this. So the third, that's oh, not the third, keep saying that, September the 11th on 3 BC um, does pose some problems in that a lot of people believe that Herod died in 4 BC, which would mean that Herod uh, was dead before he tried to murder Jesus, which is slightly problematic. Interesting thing about that, though, is... Um, <coughs> I remember like last thing last time I spoke I talked about Josephus who's like this uh, Jewish historian dude and basically the, the reason we think that was that date uh, is because Josephus said that between a eclipse and a Passover was when Herod died and we well everyone used to assume that it was this one but actually there's quite a good argument now for it being this one which would actually timeline wise be pretty much perfect so Again, can't prove any of this. <laughs> Complete conjecture. But if it is a coincidence, it's, it's pretty awesome. But it just, yeah, I find it uh, fascinating anyway. So, <coughs> you might be wondering, this is all weird and bizarre, John. What is uh, this got to do with anything? What can I do with this? Um, so what I find with this passage is it makes me look at the birth of Jesus from a different perspective, which... It's, it's nice, actually, to look at that thing that you know really, really well, but from a completely different view. So often we look at it from an earthly perspective, and this is very much a heavenly perspective, and lots of pew, pew, pew stuff happening afterwards, and it's very cool. And it's very easy to look at, like, nativity scenes and get Christmas cards and look at, oh, the cute little baby Jesus, and be like, oh, he's just so cute, and, like, this, this cute little baby. But actually, you look at Revelation 12 and go, wow, that birth of Jesus was epic. It was mad it we can like just get distracted by this cute little baby and forget that actually the birth of jesus was like this um plant of god sort of behind em enemy lines almost that jesus was like this um satan destroying bomb like that's had a timer on it or even like a dead man switch that when jesus went on the cross went <laughs> and blew up in satan's face you know it's it's, it's epic, and the angels who showed themselves to the shepherds, you know, would always be like, ah, oh, in the heart of the herald, and it's all very lovely. But if you read the passage, it doesn't say, like, the angels who were lovely and really pretty, and it was like, the angel armies of God showed up. They were epic. And we so often tone everything down, so it's all nice and pleasant. 
but it was big, it was scary, and you know, maybe those angels were there like in mass, like to guard the thing that was gonna change everything. And so, yeah, uh, Satan's <coughs> gets destroyed because Jesus was born. We were saved because Jesus was born. Um, it's a bit later on in uh, Re Revelation 12 about how uh, Satan was like the accuser and those accusations can no longer stand. And so, yeah, this cute little baby was actually born to rule. It was the, he was the result of promises and prophecy. He potentially set the entire universe into motion to land at that moment to say, this is happening right now, this is the thing. And he's the supreme shepherd of his flock. You know, he had that whole bit with the iron staff and that kind of stuff. King of everything. But so often we go, oh, you little baby. And it's like, epic. Jesus being born was, it, yeah, he probably was a cute little baby because all babies are cute. I'll say that, some, some, some weird ones. Um, but, you know, Christmas is epic. And that's what comes across for me in these, uh, this reading. And I hope that came across to you guys too. So my challenge is uh, to sort of not tame down Christmas, I guess. And remember that actually uh, Jesus was put on earth and he was put in a place where there was a dragon like through Herod and Satan trying to devour him. There was angels on the guard. There was a whole load of stuff that would happen because of this and like all of heaven involved and go, way. So uh, yeah, just let's not be like, oh, the cool little baby, but like, wow, baby. It's like hardcore baby, you know, it was a baby who was gonna change everything and be the ruler of everything and is now sat at the right hand of the Father in heaven over everything. So, Merry Christmas. <laughs> it's a bit random, but I thought it was quite fun and quite interesting. Um, I'm gonna check for general nods of approval. They always make me happy. I did this when I went to speak at um, uh, Atlantic. I was like, just quick nods of approval check. That's great. So, yeah, I, I hope that you find that interesting and challenging to just remember that, yeah, you know, don't get too caught up in the, like, the, the fluff and the fuzz of Christmas because it was actually, it was a really epic thing. It was, you know, getting put into enemy-controlled territory to fight and destroy uh, the biggest evil the world and the universe has ever known. So, Merry Christmas. I'm going to shut up and go sit down now. <laughs>